Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you all to two new authors and contributors to the She Writes for Him Black Voices of Wisdom, which is launching out into the world this very week. During the first half of the podcast, you'll meet Kanita Williams, and during the second half, you'll meet Christina Custodio. So first things first, let me give Kanita a proper introduction. Kanita Williams believes that life is too short to not live life on purpose. As a certified life coach and motivational speaker, and most importantly, daughter of the king, Kanita's mission is to help people awaken to the possibilities in their personal and professional lives. Kanita is the CEO, founder of Model for the King Life Coaching, LLC. Her latest project is her book titled Free to See, which is currently available for pre-sale through Redemption Press. The book provides practical ideas to help people live more mindful and intentional lives. Kanita is also a contributor to the She Writes for Him, Black Voices of Wisdom, and was one of the contributors to the very first She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith. Kanita is a proud Air Force spouse, married to her husband, retired Major Sergeant Nicholas for 22 years. They currently reside in, get this, North Pole, Alaska, with their son, Nicholas, who is 10. They also have a daughter, Kiara, 19, who attends Charleston Southern University in Charleston, South Carolina. Kanita has more than 20 years of experience as an educator, mentor, consultant, and group facilitator. Kanita holds a professional certified coach credential from the Breaking Point Coaching Collective. So let's get started on this conversation. All right. Well, I am so excited to have my friend Kanita Williams on the call with me today. So Kanita, welcome, welcome to, back to the All Things Podcast. Athena, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, I always love to chat with you. We are friends from the beginning until the end of time. I, I love you. Amen, my sister. Well, I, and I have to give a disclaimer, I'm catching Kanita <laughs> on the go. So she is not in her normal recording space. And so if there's any background noise, we're just going to roll with that because it was more important to get her on here so she could be on the All Things podcast this week, the week of the launch of the She Writes for Him Black Voices of Wisdom book, which she is a contributor. And also, if that wasn't enough for this week, we're also having our She Writes for Him Braveheart virtual conference this week. And Kanita is one of my co-hosts. So she is Probably when this podcast airs, she will be on her way to the airport to get on a plane to fly to Seattle to be with me. I'm so excited, Kanita, to have you come this week. I'm just super excited. I'm so excited and, and definitely humbled that you would even ask me to be a part of it. So I'm super excited just to be a part of the conference as well as being a part of this she writes for him, Voices of Black Wisdom, just 
all this goodness in one space is just unbelievable what God is doing in this season, Athena. And I'm glad to be doing it with you. Amen, my friend. So I want to start with your chapter in the She Writes for Him, Black Voices of Wisdom, Love Thy Neighbor. And I know just from our conversations, you have lots of stories that you could have told in this particular book to help bridge the gap so that us white sisters who don't have a clue what you have dealt with growing up just in every aspect, the experiences that you've had, I know were an eye opener to me and you have so many you could have chosen. Why did you choose this story to share in the Black Voices of Wisdom? Well, Athena, when I think about Love Thy Neighbor, the reason why I chose this, and like you said, there's so many stories. When I look back, unfortunately, there's, you know, stories of just outright racism, discrimination. And unfortunately, I can say that I've experienced a few. But when I thought about contributing to this book and being a voice for others and trying to educate and inspire the thing that stuck out to me the most was the true and original story of reconciliation. I mean, when you think about reconciliation, we go back to to the father, right? And so my whole thing was that we have to look at this thing the way the father looks at it, and it's that we're all his children. So mm-hmm. when I think about love thy neighbor, that's the first thing that came to my mind. We have to love each other as Christ loves us, as Christ loves the church, as he commands us to love your neighbor as thyself. So that's why I chose this particular story because it takes me back to the foundation of love and that's Jesus Christ, our savior. Amen. So tell us just a little bit about the story, about the incident with your boss and and just how it blindsided you, just so we get a little flavor of what you're bringing to the table in this chapter. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I grew up in the North. I grew up in Delaware and actually I'm there right now. And that's where I grew up where we were gray. We, everyone sat around our table for dinner. You know, my mom opened our, her doors to everyone, you know, so all of my friends, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, we all came together. And I, I never really experienced any sort of discrimination growing up saying that this person couldn't come over or you couldn't come play with this person. But when I got married and we moved down south, we were an hour and a half from the Alabama line. And I started experiencing some of the things that I thought were not true. You know, I um, so my story goes back to being a young wife, just getting out into actually working in my career field. And I was working for the supervisor of elections and I experienced direct racism. A gentleman came in and just started unleashing these terms that I thought no one ever used before. (laughs) Again, you know, I thought we have got past that whole era of, you know, calling people outside of their name and judging people according to their skin tone. But I directly experienced it and he didn't want to vote at our our voting center because I was running the center. Mm, Wow. And that coming from such a healthy upbringing with your folks, And then to have that culture shock that, wow, are we back in the 50s? 
Yeah, it was absolutely a culture shock, Athena, to the point where I kind of froze and <laughs> the supervisor elected herself had to come out and speak and to turn him away because of his behavior. I didn't even get to respond. And I just, I guess time just stood still for me because it just really took me back to, are we really hearing this right now? This mm-hmm. is 2004, I believe at the time. I'm like, this is not 1950. Wow. Well, thank the Lord that your boss stood up for you and, you know, did not try and, you know, minimize what he was mm-hmm. doing. She right. dealt it head on and praise the Lord for that. That's right. not probably always the experience, right? You've had other situations where right. that didn't happen, right? Right. And that's, you know, it's that, that you bring that up, you know, it's just about even in this chapter, as I was writing and even kind of reading some of the other ladies' testimonials and, and experiences, it goes back to the positions of power and when you have a voice and when you can make a change. And that's what I employ all of us to do is be the change. If you're in a position of power, if you can make changes, if you can be that listening ear that can change a situation, let's do it. Let's do it. And I, you know, I employ and I challenge, you know, all of us um, of color, even our my Caucasian friends, that's been like the circle of and then the voice that we've been kind of sharing around these hard conversations these days. Like when people ask me what they can do and how they could help, you know, there's not a lot that you can say as far as you experience it. You know, being a white female, you can't say that I have your same experiences. But you can say, sister, I'm standing with you. And if I can make a change, I want to help. And I believe that that's what this book is doing and is going to do. The fact that Redemption Press, Althena Holt did this for to, to be a voice in the world, to make a change and let people open their eyes and hear and listen, Althena. I thank you and applaud you for doing that. I thank Cynthia for putting the time and the work in to do it because you know, maybe you haven't had the experiences that Kanita has, but Kanita is your friend and you love her and you're, you know her experience is real and you want other people to be able to hear and see that. And I believe that that's, that's what this book is going to do. It's going to cause eyes to see and ears to hear and voices to be spoken in this time when we need it most. Mm. Amen. And that was definitely our heart for this project. It was like, I was in, you know, continuing the conversations with my mm-hmm. friends who I never even asked. The, I never even knew to ask the question. Have, have right. you been treated, you know, solely based on the color of your skin? Have you been treated badly? And mm-hmm. when I start hearing the stories, it's like, oh my gosh, where have I, have right. my head been in the sand or what? Right. And, you know, just the idea of giving you all a platform to share, not in out of bitterness or, you know, anything like that. It's out of love. Like this is what I was, the Lord allowed me to go through this and, and taught me many things from it, but here's the reality of what happens and what we live with. And I just think that's powerful to be able to have something that can help start a conversation between races mm-hmm. so that we can see how we may have been misjudging or not even aware, totally naive of right. the struggles. 
And I think, I think it's that. I think it's the lack of knowledge. And like the scripture says, you know, his people, people perish for the lack of knowledge. And I believe that's been the case. It's not like you walked around and looked for someone being awful and discriminating against someone because of their color. Like, that's not something that the average person looks for, right? So, but when we hear our friends say that, yes, I think that this is true and this is what I've experienced. The fact that now you're asking questions and to say, share with me more, you know, show me, tell me more about it. I think that's the beauty of it, that we get this knowledge so that we can then be a change and be a voice. And the fact that we can do this the right way, because um, I said in an interview earlier this week that, you know, it's not that this has never happened before, right? Situations like the George Floyd situation and different discrimination things and different cases that we're seeing here in in these last few years, this is not brand new, but it's a time that, you know, God has shined the light on it where we can all say, okay, I see, I'm listening, this is real. And I just think it's for such a time as this that our voices are being heard because we have ears that are now listening. That's so good. And it's such a, it's such an empowering conversation to have, Mm -hmm. I think, because, you know, here's 21 different women telling their stories in this compilation book that is going out to a lot of us who have not had a clue. And so we can, I think, be empowered to stand up when we hear someone say something that is offensive, that is racist, that is, you know, uh, maybe naive, like when they, when people say, well, all lives matter. Right. So right. We can now say, no, wait a second. That's not kind. That's not loving to say that you are minimizing right. the situation. So, right. I mean, I'm just kind of seeing this, that this compilation of stories is empowering both of us, both uh, of our ethnicity to be able to begin a conversation, carry on a conversation, have it, turn it into a positive conversation that might be an admonishment, might be a correction, you know, whatever, in whatever Mm -hmm. tone it has to take, but it's going to be in love because if we're believers, we should be walking like Jesus did. And Jesus was, yes. not, he didn't shame people like some people do when there's race involved. Yeah. And, and that's what it just goes back to. Like I said, in my chapter is just love thy neighbor. I mean, we're all claiming to be God's children, right? We're all saying that he's our father. We're all saying that, you know, I, when we, take on the, the name and the heart of Jesus Christ was saying that, you know, old things are passed away. Behold, I become new. So even those old ways of thinking and those old ways that maybe your mom, your grandmother, you know, what you were taught. When we say that Jesus is our savior, old things should be passed away and we should be open to learning those new things about our sisters and brothers that are around or sitting at the table And so that, you know, was really the premise of my chapter to just really let us search ourselves, let us search ourselves in the things that maybe we didn't change or didn't know that we begin to educate ourselves. And 
I wanted it to be an inspiration. I wanted to be educating and also for the future generation to look at this book and hear the testimonials and stories and then to live differently for them to have a different experience than I've had. That when they sit at the table with others, that they're all just looking at the content of that person and not the color of the skin. Amen. Amen. Well, my friend, any last thoughts that you want to share on that before we wrap this up? I just really, like I was saying, just everyone just have an open mind, have the mindset of wanting to evaluate yourself and let the change begin with you. Have those hard conversations, look around, ask yourself questions that, you know, am I doing all that I can do? Especially us as Christians, right? Am I loving like the Father says love? Am I treating people like the Father said, you know, because I believe a lot of times that that's what we're not doing is we're speaking it, but we're not doing it in action. So I I believe if we just take a pause and start just looking and searching ourselves, shining the light on the inside, then these changes will bring a brighter light on the outside. Mm, Good word. Amen. Well, my friend, I am anticipating anxiously your arrival in Seattle to be part of the Rights for Him conference. So if there's anybody listening to this broadcast and you, and it's before the 19th of March, and you still have a moment to sign up and be part of the conference, I want to say, do it. We are going to have a great time. You'll be able to meet Kanita and see her face and and have a, just a great time with all of us who are involved in presenting two days of full-on, on steroids, empowering instruction for those who want to tell their story. And uh, we are super excited about it. So, Kanita, it won't be long, and I'll be giving Make you a big hug. Excited. Yes, excited to actually see your face and give you a real hug after got all this time of this COVID and being separated. I'm excited for it. I mean, I cannot wait. I got the gummy bears and they're real ones this time. So good snacks and we're just ready to have a good time. And I appreciate Redemption Press once again for taking the time to be work on this project and get this to the world because it's definitely something that everyone needs to hear. Excited for the conference. I can't wait to learn more about sharing our stories the right way. Amen, girl. Thanks so much. Thank you. Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a book idea in your head and heart, but you really don't know where to start? Have you outlined, written a proposal, or finished a first draft, but are feeling discouraged at your progress? Maybe feel like you're not a good enough writer to tell your story in a way that others will want to read it? Are you stuck in your creative process or confused about how to tell the story that God is nudging you to write? Well, I've got great news for you. My name is Athena Dean Holtz, and I'm the host of the upcoming She Writes for Him Braveheart Writing Conference. And I want to encourage you to give yourself a priceless gift that will help your writing dream come true. We're going to have two days of a power-packed live online event with 20-plus publishing industry professionals to help you strengthen, sharpen, write, 
and market your message. Four powerful and inspiring keynote messages that will encourage and inspire you as a writer. Publishing industry experts and best-selling authors share their secrets and wisdom for success. A panel of literary agents share what they're looking for and how to schedule a meeting with them. And pre-conference mini bootcamp tracks are available this year, which is brand new for fiction, nonfiction, and memoir writing. At the end of these two days, you will gain confidence and know how to discover your brave heart for him and his story in you, find purpose in your pain and discover effective methods to communicate and write about your most difficult experiences, break through the obstacles that hold you back from writing and finishing your project, jumpstart your writing, expand your influence and nurture your gifts and calling and connect with other writers and Jesus followers who get you find your tribe. Let me just read you one comment from last year's conference. Her words were, do it. This conference is paradigm shifting and soul freeing at the same time. The raw honesty of each of the presenters was such a gift. And I saw us as co-laborers, sisters in the field, rather than speaker and attendee. Felicia Ferguson. So, hey, for all the details, visit SheWritesForHimConference.com and sign up now. The event will be live, but the recordings will be available for 30 days after the event. We hope to see you there. All right, we are back for the second segment in today's All Things podcast, highlighting the new book she writes for him, Black Voices of Wisdom. So let me introduce you to Christina. Christina Custodio is a wife of 21 years and a mother of three beautiful teenagers. She lives with her family in Greenville, South Carolina. She's also a teacher, writer, photographer, and whatever she is called to be on any given day. On September 8th, 2015, her son Isaiah's near-death experience changed the trajectory of her life. Living in a hospital room with him for 44 days, she chronicled each day's heart-wrenching, faith-filled, and victorious moments, which became the launch pad for her ministry. She gained thousands of online friends supporting and walking alongside her family's incredible journey of fear, struggle, hope, faith, and even unspeakable joy. Christina has a unique way of tapping into the reader's heart, allowing them to feel, taste, and see all her family experienced each day. Those experiences have inspired thousands of readers to look inside their own journeys that have been set before them. This is a story of redemption. A story of faith in the midst of crisis, a story of joy and hope. That story is in production with Redemption Press with the title, When God Changed His Mind. Christina is also a contributor to the She Writes For Him, Black Voices of Wisdom. All right, let's roll it. 
Well, I am so excited to have Miss Christina Custodio, one of my favorite people and one of the co-hosts for the upcoming She Writes for Him conference. Welcome to the All Things Podcast, my friend. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Well, we are celebrating this week, not only the conference, but the launch of the new She Writes for Him, Black Voices of Wisdom, of which you have three chapters. And I am so excited that we were able to add your voice to the other voices and just create a product that is really impacting people already. And we're just right in launch week. So it's very exciting. And thanks for being with me today. We're all kind of crazy busy getting ready for the conference. And you are flying out here to Seattle uh, in another couple of days. So yeah, I'm just uh, thrilled that we're going to be able to do that together. And I get to hug your neck and (laughs) <laughs> but we're all like uh, on steroids, I think, <laughs> or, or a quadruple shot, something, something like that. Oh. A shot of the spirit, though. We're good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So you have three chapters in the Black Voices of Wisdom. I'm going to read them off, and then we'll, we're just going to have a little conversation about each one. I am a woman of color, no longer a slave and the white supremacist in me. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I remember sitting down with you at the Asheville Christian Communicators Conference at the Billy Graham Training Center and reading these. Were they blog posts to start out with? Is that what I remember? Uh Yeah. Okay. So the world's out to see them. (laughs) Well, not the world. There's so many more people that need to know these stories, but yeah. yeah. Well, I remember reading them and just going, whoa, just (laughs) your voice and the way that you shared your experience Mm -hmm. was compelling. And I just, I'm just so thankful that we got to meet at that. That was like a divine appointment. And I would just love to hear kind of the backstory on each one of those. So our listeners can get an idea of what's your story and what you're communicating? Okay. Well, the first story, chapter two, I am a woman of color basically is me. I struggled for so long to accept who I am, who I was, especially growing up in a predominantly white world, everything around me, church, school, neighborhood, everything was predominantly white. So that kind of, that gave me a struggle to know who I was and how I fit in. And a lot of things were very skewed in my life concerning that. So I am a woman of color pretty much just talks about that and and the different reasons why I felt that way and how God has changed that for me. And it really can apply to any woman. It doesn't have to be a woman of color because especially women struggle so much with who we are and what our purpose is and how we fit in and who likes us and who doesn't and what we look like and all of that stuff. So I'm not unique in that way. I'm 
but this is my personal experience with my particular issue. So that that's what that chapter is about. Well, and what I love about that is we can find ourselves between the lines of your story. We just may have a different issue that we're struggling with, but we, you know, we will, we find that commonplace, I think, as we read that. Exactly. And then No Longer a Slave, chapter 10, deals with basically the the things that hold us captive in our lives. And for me, it was color and how that affected my life. But for others, it might be an addiction or some kind of post-traumatic stress or low self-worth or hopelessness. But generally, I think we all have something that is holding us back, something that's holding us captive. But Jesus came already to free us. So there's no reason for us to remain captive to these things because in him we're free. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. He's already done it. We're walking around in shackles when we're already free. Right. Mm, That's powerful. And it's a lot of it has to do with what's in between our ears and the narratives going on in there that are, we're believing the lies of the enemy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And he, his voice is loud and powerful, but Jesus is more powerful. So we've got to hone in on that voice. Well, and that's why it's so important for us to be still and be quiet enough so we can hear the whisper of God, because it's usually the enemy's that's true roar that drowns it out. And yeah, amen. And people around us and situations around us, and it clouds our our perspective. It's really difficult to see clearly with all of that, which is why, yes, we need to be still, have that quiet time. Mm, Amen. Okay, so what about that third chapter that has that kind of shocking title? (laughs) Oh, yes. This is this is the chapter that was most difficult for me to write. And whenever I tell people the title, I still get a little emotional because it's hard. It's titled The White Supremacist and Me. And no one (laughs) wants to have that title and especially a person of color. And it doesn't seem to make sense. But this chapter just explains how that happened to me and how it can happen to a person of color. What contributes to that mindset that so many of us don't even know that we have for one, but if we, if we know it, we certainly don't want to admit it. And when I was writing this, I stopped several times. I think it took me hours. It's not that long. (laughs) It took me hours because I kept stopping. I cried in between. And I just thought, God, seriously, do I have to share this? I don't want to because this is embarrassing and it's making me vulnerable, which is why I always want to cry when I talk about it. But but I feel like he said, Christina, there are people who struggle with this. And if you can admit it, then so can they. And then it can lead to healing. Yes. You're giving them permission to say, raise their hand and go, me too. I felt the same way. Yes. But until you say it, 
it's it's easy to just kind of shove it away and hope it's really not it's really not that bad. I don't really I don't really feel that way. Right, right. But there was no denying it after I read something from Latasha Morrison and Be the Bridge, and it said white supremacy can also infiltrate the thinking of people of color and a scene walked out through internalized racism, colorism, and other such manifestations. And that's what really, I was so convicted by that statement. I thought, oh my goodness, that's me. I've done that. And I've got to repent and I've got to acknowledge it and talk about it so that other people can also do the same. And so, and so we can heal. It's just, it's a big gaping wound. It is, it is. And to begin the conversation where we can voice our, you know, I mean, you can't just kind of do a blanket repentance for something like that. You have to actually say, okay, I did this. I thought this thought and Lord, please forgive me. Wash me clean. Not just, well, if I ever offended anybody. I mean, you can't do that blanket stuff. You have to be specific. And that's where the power is. When we are honest about how we felt and what we've thought and seen and that conviction that only the Holy Spirit can bring is powerful. Right. And it draws us close together when we are vulnerable with each other that way. None of us are are innocent of thoughts that we shouldn't have. We And we all have biases, every single one of us, because that's how our brain works. It's actually a protective mechanism. So it's so that our brain can tell us when there's something that we need to be aware of or beware of. So, but sometimes those things happen with the wrong thing. <laughs> And so we carry that and we don't even realize that we're doing it. It's just kind of in us. So we've got to call it out and we've got to turn it around. Amen. That's what I'm so excited. This book in, in its entirety and all 21 women who have contributed to it are really opening up some doors for conversation, for us to be able to even consider, wow, have I done that? Or, you know, and just to have the empathy there for our sisters and brothers who, you know, end up being treated differently than we do for no good reason. And yeah, it's humbling to be able to see this come into being after just last year in June, the idea came and now here it is as a, as a conversation starter. And really, I think an educational piece for many of us who just never had a clue right? challenges right. and the struggles that you have to go through. Right. And we all have to be willing to talk about it because we're just going to last year will happen over and over and over and over again, if we don't deal with it. And I'm grateful as difficult as it was to deal with all the racial unrest last year. And it's still going on, but you know, last year was just amplified. I'm grateful that it happened because there's so much that needed to be unearthed so that we could fix it. Mm. And it absolutely was one of the most painful things I've ever dealt with last year. It was unexpected. 
just brought up so many things that I didn't even know I needed to deal with. But I'm grateful for that because that's how Jesus works. Yep. <laughs> that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's and it's beautiful. It's painful and it's beautiful. And that's I was just saying the other day, I'm so thankful for the pandemic, for yeah. all the racial injustice, those things brought to the surface stuff that was long buried. buried. Yes. Yeah. And it was time. Yes, it was very much. And God planned it all perfectly. Yeah. We all had time to sit and think because we were stuck at home. Yeah, exactly. I love, I mean, brilliant. God could not have been more brilliant in the way he orchestrated this last year. I'm, Absolutely. I'm just amazed. Yeah. So I would love for our listeners to hear a little, just a little bit of your story and the book that we're going to be uh, that's kind of in production right now with Redemption Press about your son, Isaiah, and how you almost lost him and just that amazing story. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Yes. So it was five years ago, five, five and a half, actually, that my son was at football practice and had a headache, couldn't, couldn't keep playing. And I'll get to the, <laughs> to the biggest part of it, but he ended up having a ruptured AVM, which is something like an aneurysm. And he was basically dying in the hospital and his, his brain was filling up with blood and very quickly. And the crazy thing about that is I had always felt that he was going to die. And it was just one of those, it wasn't one of those crazy overprotective mom things, you know, we can do that sometimes, but it was just a deep knowing. I just felt that that's what was going to happen. He was going to die young. And that night, when he was dying, I thought, okay, this is it. This is it. And I just prayed to God at one point, God, change your mind, change your mind. And I knew that he may not. And I had a crazy piece about me, that piece that passes all understanding. He gave that to me because I said, I know that he may still die but I also know that we're going to be okay. He just put that inside. And I never would have thought that I'd feel something like that, feel that kind of peace when faced with the death of a child. I would think, take me too. That's what I said for years. If one of my children ever died, I would have to go too. But that's not how I felt in that moment. I just knew God was, I knew it was going to be painful, but I knew he would get us through. So I asked him to change his mind and he did. And we told him we would make it count. We would tell the story and we would give him glory. And that is really what, what I'm trying to do through this book, because there are so many stories within this story that are beautiful. And God showed up in every single moment. And I don't wish any of it away. And it's still, there's still parts that are hard. Isaiah still struggles with the right side of his body is weak. And I wish that he could do things that he's not able to do anymore, but he's alive and he's a beautiful human being and he loves Jesus. And I really can't ask for any more than that. And the scar that's still there is a constant reminder that God answered your prayer. Oh, I love that scar. Yes, it's beautiful. And not that my son is like Jesus, but 
it does, you know, those scars are reminders. We think about the scars, you know, in Jesus's hands. And I think about that with Isaiah. It's, and I think I almost had to sacrifice my son, you know, and to think about the fact that God did that for us, that just, it's huge. I don't think people really understand the depth of that love. And yes, so his scar is so beautiful to me. And it is such a beautiful reminder. And every so often I just, I might, well, if we're sitting next to each other, I just kind of run my hands over that part on his head. And he's like, mom, stop doing that. <laughs> you know, but it's just, I love it. And it's a crazy looking scar. It's a little gnarly, you know, it's, but it's beautiful to me. Mm. And, the, and, and how long ago did CBN do that special on your story? It was actually two years ago. Okay. I think they showed, they've played it over and over. They just, it seems like every few months they play it again, which is amazing to me. Apparently it's a good story. <laughs> it is a good story. It's an amazing story. And we're going to include the link in the post so yeah. that people can watch that as well. But okay. So we're going to, we could, we could keep going I'm easily for another hour, but we don't have time right now. So just in wrapping up my friend, anything you'd like to share just as an encouragement to those who are listening today? I think there are so many things that we go through in life and none of it is wasted. Our pain does not have to be, we could waste it, but, and I don't believe that God does these things to us, but all things work up. Romans 8, 28. That's right. <laughs> you got that going on. Yes. But it's so true. All things work for good for those who love the Lord. And all of these difficult things that I've dealt with in my life, that my son has dealt with all these, everything that's happening can be used for his glory. And we've got to look at it that way. We can sit and cry and pout and you know, scream and gnash our teeth, but we could get up and work and use what he's given us because it's all a blessing. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you go through trials of many kinds. And I, I get that because it grows us and it draws us closer to him. So I just think we all need to focus on the fact that whatever we're going through can draw us closer to him and we can find what it is that he's trying to do in our lives. And if it's just to be closer than him to him, then it's worth it. Absolutely. And it's the kind of thing when we go through struggles like that, that gives us so much more to pour out to others, to give them hope that, you know what, I may not have gone through what exactly what you went through, but look what God brought me through. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if we have some people who want to find you online, uh, social media or your website, tell us where we can do that. My website is christinacustodio.com and Facebook is Christina Custodio, author and speaker. Uh, You can just, my name on Instagram and Twitter. I don't really use Twitter all that much, but you know, (laughs) you can Google my name and things will come up. So. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And when this airs on Wednesday, you're going to 
be flying in the air to come here. So can't wait to hug your neck, girl. I'm so, so excited and grateful. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a delight and continues to be a delight, my friend. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.